It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com Digital Sports Comment Center. As always, with Rick Brewer, we talk some local sports, national sports. Uh, of course, the favorite segment of the show is where people can ask me anything, and I try to deliver any kind of an answer. Most of it honest, at least we try. Um, and the questions have been great, especially over the last four or five weeks. So I'd say last week's was honest. That's yeah. for sure. Last week's yeah, no, segment got very honest. Yeah, it did. It got a little real. There's no I, question. So. I, I love doing this podcast, and we got great feedback on last week's show. Uh, a, a couple stories we told in particular got a little bit more feedback than the rest, and one of them was the uh, Kenny Chesney CD story <laughs> that I, where I saw I threw the CD out the window. I heard from a few people, but Skinny, I, I love this podcast because, would you believe it, I heard from the ex. Oh, wow. New CD I threw wow. Yeah. yeah what, did, what did she say? Well, she forgave me. She said, let it go. Like, it's not a big deal. It wasn't that big of a deal at the time. And she actually hates Kenny Chesney now, too. How about that? <laughs> Maybe you'd still have a relationship if, she, if she'd come forward with that earlier. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. But oh, okay. uh, it was hilarious. A uh, uh, guy we went to high school with listens to the podcast. And I guess they're still friends. And he happened to tell her because he just knew what time frame I was talking about. He said it had to be her if it was in 2007. So, uh, he texted her and she listened to the podcast and said, Hey, no big deal. And she said, we, it was a good podcast too. So we got that's that. hilarious. That's hilarious. Uh, I, I thought she was going to tell you over, at least you over a CD. I, I, I would think that's actually a fair comment. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I think I paid for enough dates over the time that it made up for it. So okay, there we go. At least I know you're not a cheapskate on dates then. That's good to know. <laughs> I didn't say that. It just, you know, oh, over, okay. over the year and a half or whatever, every day that we it <laughs> happened enough. All right. Uh, Skinny, it started when the Milwaukee Bucks refused to take the floor for the game against the Orlando Magic in protest of the police shooting Jacob Blake, a black man in Kenosha, Wisconsin, 40 minutes outside of Milwaukee. The rest of the NBA games were also canceled on Wednesday night. Then the Milwaukee Brewers announced that they were following the Bucks' lead and that their game against the Reds would be postponed. That was followed by the WNBA, the MLS, and a few other MLB games being called for the night. And now Thursday morning, the Western and Southern Open made the decision to postpone action for the day. I'm sure more is to come. You know, this is all breaking as we're doing this podcast. But let me start here with it. Do you think the Milwaukee Bucks' decision to sit out game five against the Orlando Magic was an effective protest? And what type of impact do you think it will have on sports going forward, if any? I mean, the impact is the potential of the NBA shutting down. I mean, that, that's the impact. They obviously had the meeting on, uh, on Wednesday night uh, that LeBron apparently huffed out in and uh, the rumors were the Lakers and Clippers were going to bolt, and when they bolt, everybody's going to shut it down. So the impact on sports is is certainly that if 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 it occurs moving forward. I think the other thing too is, and I'm going to give my honest opinion of of this whole situation here in a minute. It's probably not going to be a popular one, I know, but I'm going to give it anyway. Um, but I, I would guess I would ask this then. All right, so so you 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 walk off in in protest last night. What do you do now moving forward? I mean, if you play on Thursday or play on Friday. Is that suddenly hypocritical? Is that turning your back on it? Did you think one night was enough? Um, so I, I guess for me, what's the end game for, for, for these teams and these leagues in that regard? And I'm going to ask you that question. What do you think the end game is? What, what should the end game be? I think that's where we're at right now. It's all about what's next. Um, I respect the players being hurt. And the fact that their raw emotion moved them to do something like this, I, I, I can understand that. I can see it. I think the overall concept of showing America a world without black entertainers is a compelling one. 
um, the message of you can't cheer us on or be entertained by us, but then ignore our asks for basic human rights and dignity is a point well taken. Unfortunately for them, I don't know that this will accomplish much or have an impact at all. Uh, and it's all going to depend on what happens next. If this was just a stunt to draw awareness, then it quite frankly was totally ineffective. The NBA is the most progressive sports league you could possibly ask for. Players have been talking about social justice issues at length in every post-game interview that they've done since they've been in the bubble. They're wearing messages of their choosing instead of their names on the back of their jerseys to bring more awareness to these issues, which I can't imagine any other professional league ever allowing. The NBA has been, I would say, as effective a vehicle to get calls for social justice out into the public eye as any we've seen in, in the country, period. And in the meantime, they're also helping develop COVID-19 testing at the bubble. So like this idea that like the NBA is something that needs to be protested or, or needs to be boycotted, and that's not what they're saying, but in effect, that's kind of who you're hurting and, and what you're doing. I don't know that that's really effective. I think there's two ways in which this can have an impact. One, We've already seen it to an extent, the ripple effect on other sports. Now, if it's just a day off, like, I mean, the MLB, the Reds and Brewers just moved their game and made it a doubleheader today. It was just Correct. a day off. What did that do, do to draw attention? Like, no one, for the most part, was going to pay attention to that. Um, now, if it continues and all of a sudden we've got college athletes that are going to say, we're not, we're not going to take the field either, and you've got uh, NFL players potentially doing the same, if something like that happens, which – I don't know that's going to be the case, but then maybe this does have, have a real impact. If the NBA players obviously do decide to leave the bubble, you mentioned the meeting they had last night. It sounded like it was more of a polling situation, but LeBron got mad and, and left. Um, but the other, the other side of this is getting the owners involved. You have powerful men with tons of money and powerful connections. If the NBA players can actually get the NBA owners involved to lawmakers. What do they want them to do? Well, and that's part of the issue, right? I mean, I, I think this goes back to the raw emotion thing, and, and it, I understand, I respect why they did it, but I don't know that there's a clear message and a clear goal here in mind. And that's, that's what you had to be prepared for, right? Like you had to go, if you were going to try to hold the NBA owners over a barrel and, and say, you know, we're not going to play until you meet these demands, well, okay, then you needed to know what the exact demands were going to be, right? Because it can't just be like, arrest certain people or something like you you need to have honest legit real changes in mind that could be effective okay. yes okay so so let's do this number one i'm sorry that that i i don't respect this decision because uh, honestly the, the police in kenosha wisconsin for all intents and purposes were doing their job to arrest a criminal and the criminal decided he wanted to evade arrest because he knew what was at the end of that arrest and so he paid the consequence for that i i'm sorry for that they didn't shoot an unarmed black man for shits and giggles they shot a guy trying to evade arrest who was under felony arrest warrant i'm not falling on that sword if i'm a player you know what if you want to have some effective change i'll tell you what i would do here's what i would do if i'm these leagues i would boycott until the city of chicago took the police into the places where kids are getting shot on a daily basis and say go round up the criminals we'll support you any way you can we'll add money to it we'll we'll pay for for private security to come in and round up these people that's some effective change to me not constantly whining about police doing their job they didn't do their job in the george floyd case there's nobody that watched that that doesn't know that that was the most heinous thing ever and that guy was a bad human being and a complete absolute utter murderer what took place in kenosha wisconsin is the police doing their job and i'm not falling on that sword i'm not well, yeah, and I think that there there's a legit point there. That is, this the right was this the right situation to make this type of move for? You know, was this the guy that you wanted to back 
that hard. Because and, I mean, and that's why, because it angers people like me. And yeah, I know people who listen to this may say, well, there's an angry old white man who's doing it. That's fine. You can think that. Um, that's not in my heart, but that's what you can think. Um, you know, I, I truly would like to see some effective change in cities where people are getting killed on a weekly basis. How about we start there? How about we clean up our cities? Go back to Chicago if you're from Chicago. Support the police into going and arresting people or going and telling into neighbors and saying, listen, you're going to have to to, 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 to to pay or you're going to have to uh, to uh, step forward and speak against what these people are doing criminally. I'll tell you what, I'll pay for your private security to make sure you, we get these people to trial. They get put away forever and we clean up the neighborhoods. That's not going to happen. This is easy. Let's just blame the police. This is an easy one. And it's pandering, in my opinion. It's complete and utter pandering. I think it's sad. I mean, I think it's sad that an entire race in our country feels like they're unwelcome and, and they're unhappy and they're hurting. I think it's sad that there can't be any conversation between two sides right now about this Correct. with everybody getting up in arms and it being right. a very polarizing thing. I think it's sad that people don't even want to listen or want to help a certain race. Whether you agree with everything that's being said or, or you can see the logic in all of it or not, the fact that you wouldn't even want to listen to some of this, to me, it's just the whole thing is just really sad, the state that we're in in our country. And, you know, I mean, arguing the specifics of each individual case to me, like it's it's not the place to do it here, obviously, and I'm not interested in doing that. I think there's obviously something going in our country when so many black people that I personally respect and and just I think as a country we we look up to are saying things are things are happening that are wrong and we we need change. I think we all we can all agree that we should listen to them whether whether we agree with everything they say or we want to make all the changes they want to make or whatever there there at least needs to be a conversation we at least need to listen and want to help each other um i can I can totally respect where they're coming from with that, but I don't know that this protest of sitting out game five in the playoffs over this over this guy yeah uh, for for this guy i i don't know i think all of it is misdirected a little bit and i don't know that anyone really has a clear path forward for how to affect this change and that's my biggest concern because i would love it if this led to something great and it led to real change in our country unfortunately i don't think that's going to happen i think that the milwaukee bucks made it a more effective uh show by by doing it at the last minute and not informing the rest of the nba guys but i also think that made the message less effective because no one knew what was going on. They weren't all on the same page. They weren't cohesive. Right away, guys were just tweeting out their own little messages right there. And I think no one really knows exactly what they were protesting. You know, it's just kind of like, like you're saying right now, it's just kind of protesting the police or protesting this one shooting, which not everyone's going to agree with you on. There needs to be a clearer message. And I think once everyone else decides to just take the day off, you know, the rest of the games were canceled. Well, now it's just kind of a PR stunt and it's just a day off for everybody. And, and it doesn't really mean anything. So, right. And, um, and that's what, 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 what is your end game here? And I, I'm right. not sure and that's the problem. One. I don't know that there is one. And, and I think that's the real issue for the players, people who are racist, who are really the issue for the black people in our country. They're not watching the NBA. They didn't, they already don't like the NBA because of these exact reasons. So it's not, it's not like they were going to be, Oh man, the NBA is not playing game five on Wednesday. Well now, now I really need to look inside my heart and think about changing. So uh, it, it certainly has to be a lot more than this. And to be honest with you, I don't know that the NBA players canceling their season and sitting out longer 
and us going without hearing their messages and hearing their post-game press conferences where they're talking about these things and us seeing their jerseys where they have these messages on the back of their shirts is a, is a better alternative, really. I don't know how much of an impact that's making already because, again, racists aren't watching the NBA for the most part anyway. But I, I don't know what quitting the season and leaving the bubble solves either. Unless you want to go back into your communities and 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 push for effective change personally, go and, that, and that's fine. Well, and that's what the Cel- that's what the Celtics Jalen Brown asked uh, apparently last night at the meeting when the Clippers and the Lakers were saying they wanted to leave the bubble and end the season. He wanted to know what the plan was. Then I, you know, I think he was okay with the idea of doing that, but he wanted a clear plan in place of how they were going to to make a difference because if they were just going to go to Calabasas or chill on a yacht with their friends or or make social media posts with the the Jenners and Kardashian sisters then it, the message was going to get lost and really it it would totally undermine all the sacrifices these guys have made being away from their families to make this bubble scenario happen for the last right. few months and I think that's unfair to a lot of people yeah, no, I, I would agree with that part. I just, I, for this particular guy, I just don't, I'm, I'm sorry that I can't agree with their decision on this. I can't for this particular guy. Um, you know, we had 20 people shot in our community. Um, I'd like to see somebody do something about that. How about we go, go round up criminals? How about we do that? Let's start with that. Let's, let's take the criminal element out of our society, support police to get rid of the criminal element in our society and put them away. Instead, instead we, we are literally... We are falling on the sword of, of police doing their job to try to apprehend a criminal that had a felony sexual assault warrant against him. He knew that. Why do you think he was running? He's a criminal, period, end of story. Please say stop, stop. Pretty simple. Let's switch gears here to the NFL. Bengals cornerback Mackenzie Alexander left training camp earlier this week when his father was reported missing. Alexander was then arrested in Florida and charged with battery after he confronted the man who left his father while on a berry picking trip. He allegedly punched the man several times and threatened that he had a gun while another man held him down. On Thursday morning, the Okeechobee County Sheriff announced that Alexander's father had been found after he walked up to a ranger station at a park. First of all, Skinny, it's great to hear that his father yes. is found yep. safe uh, because it, it really didn't sound good there for a while. But the Bengals already lost cornerback Trey Waynes for an extended period of time due to a torn pec. What impact do you think Mackenzie Alexander's arrest will have on the team? Probably none. I'm, I'm assuming they'll let him they'll let him uh, let him out on his own reconnaissance. I'm going to guess maybe on some level of bond to come back for a hearing. And I'm I'd be willing to bet you it gets pled down to something misdemeanor wise. Um, and it probably should listen. Um, yeah, I think they said it was a misdemeanor charge too. Yeah. So. I mean, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to have any impact because I think he'll come back and, and, and the good part is I think it would have had an impact if, if somehow his father had stayed missing for a long period of time and then they finally found him dead. Um, Cause then he would have been away for the team longer and understandably so. But I think now that it's actually has a happy ending um, I, I think he comes back and, and I listen, um, did he probably overreact and go in and beating this guy's ass? Probably. Um, I think a lot same, of people can put themselves in that. I, I was going to say, as, as, tight I, as tight as I was with my father, if something like this had happened, I think my first reaction would be to go to that guy and say, where did you leave him? Why did you leave him? And if the answer wasn't satisfactory, I probably would have beat the daylights out of him too. So I, I can't point the finger at Mackenzie Alexander on, on this in any way, shape, or form. Again, can I argue that he overreacted? Yeah, probably. And that's why I think at the end of the day, this just it's, it's probably a fine that he pays. I can't even imagine he gets probation out of this. Uh, I think it's just a fine and um, uh, all's well that ends well because the dad is safe and he's back with the Bengals. 
Yeah, it sounds like uh, the guy wasn't beaten too bad. I mean, he punched him multiple times in the face, but you know that's that can be a bar fight on a on a Friday. Well, night, I, so mean, it, it, I mean, I mean, honestly, I could see a scenario of 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 going there and saying, "Where did you leave my father?" And the guy, for whatever reason, and I didn't know Barry picking trips could end in such weird, weird, weird ways. But um, I, 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 and if I don't get a satisfactory answer, I may punch him and go, "Tell me where he is. Where did you leave him?" Yeah, well, they wanted him to get in the car. It was it was him right. and his friend, apparently. They wanted him to get in the car and go with them, and the guy right. refused to do so. So, uh, you know, they, they interrogated him a, l- a little more sternly. Uh, I don't mean to make light of the situation at all, but I do want to go back to what you mentioned. Is berry picking trip like a euphemism that I'm not aware of? What it, I, <laughs> don't, I, I don't believe it this, is. I, I, it's none of our business, I guess, but, like, I am fascinated on the, the details of this story. Two grown men – went on a berry picking trip, which maybe that's a thing guys do in Florida. I don't know. I've just never heard of that. And then one just gets lost, presumably, and the other leaves him. I don't – like, I have no idea what happened here. I, yeah, uh, that, did they get, you could make did they, this story make sense. I mean, did they get in an argument one guy had more berries than the other? I mean, honestly. Yeah. And, I, I mean, I don't want to accuse anyone of doing anything, but I just feel like there was something else involved here, uh, another layer to the story that we don't quite have. And – uh, I don't know or, that it was all berry picking. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, Mackenzie's father wound up, I think he walked up to a park ranger station. Um, Days later. Yeah, and, and who knows, maybe he did get confused and get lost. And the other guy panicked and was like, where did my, where did my guy go? Oh, I don't know. I'm going to leave. I'm, I'm going to go to safety. Now, well, I could, mean, you, could you, could you argue you should have called the cops? Yeah, no, yeah, right, exactly. I can make that argument for sure. But um, yeah, I, I don't, like I said, I think the good part to this is all's well that ends well. The father's safe. Mackenzie's going to, you know, pay a fine probably and be back with the Bengals. I would assume maybe even by, by the time they, they scrimmage on Sunday, although he's going to have to go back through quarantine for a few days. So he probably, he probably won't be back to practice. I would assume then until next week. Um, Cause he'll have to go through the quarantine period. So yeah, I think all is well that ends well. Speaking about the Bengals, you posted an interesting story on local 12.com today. Bengals running back Joe Mixon hasn't been practicing with the team due to a minor undisclosed injury. And on Wednesday, he didn't even show up to practice. You wrote a piece on Local 12 this morning about the potential that this could be contract-related, noting that Mixon is entering the final year of his initial four-year rookie contract and has been hoping to get an extension done before the regular season starts. So, Skinny, I'll ask you, do you think the Bengals are looking at a potential holdout situation with Joe Mixon? I do. Um, look, this, this whole minor injury, I think, is nothing but a ruse. Um, Joe isn't talking. We've, we've asked for multiple requests with Joe, and he, he, has, he has told us as media members that he doesn't want to talk while contract negotiations are going under because he says, I don't trust myself to say the right things, and that's fine. And we, We've actually honored that request. We're still requesting to talk to him because now questions are starting to get raised, right? The one day is a minor injury. Okay, I'll take your word for it. I, I don't believe it. I honestly thought the day I saw him on Monday when he didn't practice, I thought they just gave him the day off. They had, uh, you know, they just had the scrimmage last week, had another practice on Sunday, just a chance to maybe get Joe, Joe's legs fresh and, and just kind of give him a day. And that was my assumption. We were told then after practice that, no, it was a quote-unquote minor injury, uh, undisclosed, of course. And then Wednesday, um, he's not there at all. I called a member of the, of the media relations staff. I said, I got to ask about Joe. And he said, well, we're told it's a minor injury and we're sticking with that. I said, okay. And that to me sounds like it's more story than anything else. And I I think I told you this before, Rick, and and I get it. Um, I think I said this way back in the spring that uh, Joe saw how AJ Green played things out last year. And he, he wants the service time, right? He needs the year of service time. So he's played by the rules to this point. And suddenly here we are the last week of camp, 
a couple weeks before the regular season starts, his leverage time is very quickly running out because once the season starts, there's probably no negotiations taking place at that point. So his leverage point has got about another two-week lifespan in it. And suddenly, I got a minor injury. I, I can't go. I'm, and, and it's him saying, I'm not getting hurt. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to do this. And I get it. I, that's his leverage point. I also get the Bengals of, they don't know where the salary cap's going to be next year. So you're at a really tough impasse here, and I don't know how it ends. Hey, look, I, we're doing this before I go to practice on Thursday. Potentially, he could be out there today. I'm going to say I doubt it. And I think if, if he's not out there again today due to a minor injury, then I think you can start to wonder really loudly about is this contract related or not. We're talking about him missing practice right now, but to be clear, I mean, if nothing gets done in the next two weeks, do you think this extends to games and he starts missing a portion of the season? Asking my opinion of it, I think yeah. there's a really good potential of it. Yeah, Rick, I, I, I do because, again, if you're him, what happens in week one against the Chargers if you get – hurt significantly let's just say he gets a blown out knee or a broken leg whatever something some very traumatic significant injury in week one what do you think his free agent market's going to be not good not good and not so good. i i get it um I, and i don't know how you do this i don't know if the bengals can kick the can down the road a year with maybe give him a year extension just to say listen joe we don't know where the cap's going next year we'll at least give you a year at x number or a two-year extension maybe a smaller one and then let's reopen the window after that um, but that it seems like, like an almost worse situation to me. Yeah, it sounds like his agent's looking for Derrick Henry type money, and I just don't think he's going to get that. And I, I, I think this is not going to end well. I just I, I, I fear that. Well, I mean, I get, I totally get it from the Joe Mixon perspective of why you wouldn't want to take that risk. At the same time, they have to figure something out how to negotiate these contracts and work them out. I'm all for players using the power that they have and doing everything they can. But, I mean, this can't be – it feels like every player that's pretty good now at this point in the NFL, they get to the final year of their deal, and then they don't want to play it. Yeah. And, I mean, and, that's and, – and, and that has to be fixed because I think – like I said, I know everybody thinks highly of A.J. Green, and I think highly of him too. I think he gained the system last year, and I understand it. I, I, the thing is, I, I want people to understand, I'm not completely on the Bengals side, but I'm also not anti-Bengals with this either. I, I don't think A.J. Green deserved the contract extension. Um, he ends up getting a nice deal with the franchise tag. Uh, 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 let's prove it here. And then guess what he does in the very first practice I see? He gets hurt again. So I get their point of it. I also get their point with Mixon. Do you want to pay a running back? Do, do you know what you're going to be able to pay him and, and other players because you really don't know what the salary cap's going to be moving forward? So I, I, it, I think we're in a very, very tough place. And the other point, again, I get Joe. I, look, dude. If I'm in my last year of a contract and I have a chance to make life-changing money, and that's what this next contract for Joe Mixon would be, would be life-changing money. And I know people could argue, well, he's probably already made some life-changing money in some ways. I'm yeah, talking but about, this is another level. You, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, yeah. exactly. Life-changing money. Set up yourself and your family and your family's family for the next generation. So if I'm in that scenario, why am I going to risk getting hurt and blowing that opportunity? So what he's done is, to his credit, he came to camp was a good soldier in camp, participated in camp, and I'm guessing the negotiations were going on, and maybe he thought they were going to get close, so I'm going, to, I'm going to show good faith and take part in camp. And the good part was there was no contact really at that point. They were just thudding. And, yeah, you can get hurt. I mean, we saw A.J. Green get hurt in a, in a non-contact situation. We saw Sean Williams get hurt in warm-ups. So that stuff can happen too. But now we're starting to hit a little more, right? Now they're more in full pads. There's a little more full contact. 
And for Joe, I think uh, I got a little minor owie. And you can't prove that my minor owie, I can't play because it's my body. I, you, you may look and go, hey, your ankle looks fine. Yeah, I don't know. And I'm just I'm using ankle as an example because I don't know what it is. And I don't think there is an injury, to be honest with you. Um, but I get using that. I do because that's your leverage. And so here we are at an ugly point. And I think the NFL is going to have to start figuring this out fast because I think you're going to see more players do this and understandably so. Yeah. And we all, I mean, it's been across sports and definitely in the NFL recently. And I, I don't think anyone's at fault here, but I do think you need to figure something. It's just frustrating. It's, it's exhausting from an outsider perspective or a fan perspective when, you know, every, it seems like every year you're dealing with this with one of your players at least. And it's always someone you're trying to enjoy. You're trying to like, they're one of your best players. They're one of your fit from a fan perspective. It is not good for the sport, whether it be NFL or any other sport. So um, I don't know what the solution is. I don't know if that's, you know, if it's a toothpaste out of the tube, so to speak, in terms of being able to gain leverage back to where you can figure something out when you're negotiating the contract to, to where this doesn't happen. Uh, but to me, this just doesn't seem like a, a great scenario for, for the leagues or the players. Yeah, no, um, it, it's not. And like I said, I think more players are kind of understanding um, that they're going to, to try to play the system. And uh, like I said, it's, it's always easy, you know, in the, in the world of hot takes, right? We want to point the finger at one side or the other. I fully understand both sides in both the A.J. Green scenario and now in the Joe Mixon scenario. I fully understand the Bengals side of it, and I fully understand Joe's side of it. But again, caught in the middle is <laughs> it's the fan base and the team, the team wanting one of its best players on the field, the fan base wanting one of its best players on the field, and I don't know what the answer is. All right, from football to baseball, the Reds are now 11-17 and 17 and six games behind the first-place Cubs in the NL Central. MLB Network's John Morosi tweeted the following on Wednesday. Quote, the Reds' chances of reaching postseason have dropped to 30.4% per fangrass. They face a very consequential trade decision on Trevor Bauer. Can they justify keeping a pending free agent when they have not won a series in over two weeks? Skinny, I want to ask your thoughts on that. Can the Reds justify keeping Trevor Bauer through the trade deadline? And basically, from a bigger perspective, will the Reds be sellers or buyers at the deadline, or do we not know the answer to that yet? Um, no, I don't, I don't think we know the answer to it, but, but I will say this. I, I think you have to look at it in terms of do you want Trevor Bauer um, – long-term knowing there's a, a long-term financial cash outlay you're going to have to spend when again we so, we also don't know from a baseball perspective when are we getting fans back in the stands are we going to get them at some point next year can the reds afford that so they're at a very tough stage but if the answer to that is a we don't think we can pay him and we certainly won't be able to pay him if we have to have you know minimal fans or no fans again then you have to make a deal you just can't sit and 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 and, and hope this season turns around and get nothing in return if you're going to let him walk. So for me, I, I say if, if their big picture is that they think that they can afford Trevor Bauer long-term, then yes, hang on to Trevor Bauer. If they think that, listen, we just don't know where things are going to go, and yeah, while we think we can still salvage this season, uh, we got to get something for him. So uh, I, I think they have to answer that question, not you or I. Yeah, and I, but I think Trevor Bauer is – stock is as high as it's ever going to be. Yeah. I mean, no doubt. No we've, question. Al we've already seen him be up and down throughout his career. You know, he can lose it as fast as he, I mean, he's been great this year. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball right now, but last year he was terrible, um, both with the Indians and the Reds. So 
I think if you go through that again, where, okay, he has a contract year, he's really great, but then he comes back and he's not as good after that, he's not going to have near the same value. Right now, I think people are looking at him as one of the best pitchers in baseball. I think you can maybe get, whether it be someone that can help you now or another prospect to kind of reload from some of the guys you lost over the last year and a half, two years, by trying to go all in with this team, which looking back in hindsight was definitely a mistake. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think you have to seriously think about dealing Trevor Bauer almost regardless of, of how you feel about this team's chances of making the playoffs right now because it, it, it's clear that this team isn't, isn't a championship contender. They're not moving towards something for next year right now. Like, they still, they still have some rebuilding to do. They still need to find some pieces, and, and some of those pieces are deteriorating, which we're going to talk about in a second. So, yeah, I think, I think the Trevor Bauer decision – Really, if, they, if there's a good deal on the table, I think you have to think very seriously about doing it. What do you think about the Reds potentially being buyers, though? Are there deals out there yeah. that could take I, this team yeah. to another level and give them a better chance? I, I don't see that because I just don't see them taking on more payroll. I, I, this, they, they can't afford to do that, so well, I, 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 I do not see that at all. One of the interesting things, uh, Jim Bowden wrote a piece. I, I think he's writing for The Athletic now, but he posted a piece where he did potential deals for all the different teams. And... Uh, Multiple times, whether it was for the Reds or he was writing a deal for another team, he mentioned the Reds trading Aristides Aquino for like legit players, whether it be a reliever or be prospects, what have you. He seems to think there's like this value or or people out there wanting Aristides Aquino. I just don't see that. I think he has zero value. I don't know who's going to give up something for him. Yeah, the only thing I can say is, well, you know, Jim Bowden's a clown. Uh, he does have a lot of ties still in the game, and, and I'm going to guess, and guys he's talked to, there must be some some like of Aristides Aquino, which then begs the question of, if other teams like him, why is he not up here? I mean, that, that's, that's honestly, that's one of the most strange things I've seen in a long time is Travis Jankowski, Mark Payton, uh, on a major league roster, and Aristides Aquino hit you 19 home runs in two months last year, can't even get up here. So, so something's yeah. weird there to me. Something doesn't doesn't add up. And, and I don't think Aquino is going to be a guy that's – I mean, he reminds me of like a, more like a Willie Mopena type player. But no, Willie Mopena never had be. the success that, that Aristides Aquino did in the major league. Like, yeah, Willie Mopena no, no, never I, had those two months. So, But, but to, to me, don't you think the kid gets another, at least deserves another crack at it after showing something last year? Absolutely. I was going to get to that. Like, I, I don't think he's going to be a guy long term. But after what he showed you for a two-month stretch, you can't just give up on him as quickly as they have, and especially when you're throwing out some of these guys batting under 100 in your lineup daily. I mean, get, right. give him a chance over some of those guys. Those guys have no upside. At least he has huge upside. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a strange one for me. But, but back to the buyer's question, I, I, I don't see that part either, Rick. I, I, think, I think at, at best they're stand patters, and at worst they're sellers. And listen, if, if they deal Bauer, I know it's going to be a PR hit, but, you know, is Nick Lodolo a year from being maybe a major league starter? Maybe. Maybe he's in the rotation next year. If you get a – let's say you get a high AAA pitching prospect from another team that's, that's close to major league ready. I, I still got Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo in my rotation, and Anthony DiScalfani. I, I know he had the one rough start, but he's still a solid – you know, four, I still think you have a solid rotation. Um, you just, you know, I, I, you have a tough decision to make. And unfortunately, sometimes the decision is to deal the guy. And, and that may be the case with Bauer. Yeah, I want to throw out one deal that the, the deal that Bowden suggested for the Reds was acquire right-handed relievers, Josh Stalmont, Greg Holland, and Scott Barlow from the Royals. 
in exchange for Aristides Aquino and third baseman Jonathan India. Now, let me be clear that I don't know that the Royals would do that, but after seeing Josh Stalmont, that curveball that he has to go with mm-hmm. his heater, I would take that guy in the Reds' bullpen in a heartbeat. I don't know that it makes them contenders all of a sudden because the offense has been so bad, but it's certainly adding some arms in the bullpen, especially an arm like his. Is a need. Yeah, I, I would be pretty happy with that if they were able to to make something out of Aristides Aquino. And even if you have to give up Jonathan India, like he's not going to be playing over Eugenio Suarez anytime soon. So right. uh, that is certainly a deal that, that makes some sense to me. I just don't know that the Reds actually have a partner for a deal like that. Yeah. Skinny, one more question here with the Reds. Joey Votto is now batting 191 with three home runs and 14 strikeouts on the year. His defense has also fallen off recently as he's committed four errors already this season, including an embarrassing one the other night where he just couldn't catch the ball. The Twitter mob is getting louder coming for Joey Votto's head. So let me ask you this. Is Joey Votto done at this point? Um, I, 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 I think he is. Um, I mean, goodness gracious, he's just uh, – he looks so lost at the plate. And I know we can argue he looked look like this last year and then, you know, changed back to that upright style and was fine. I mean, he just – looks like he's just continuing to tinker because it feels like he can't catch up to the fastball any longer. And he looks awful in the field. Um, you know, and, and this, this isn't a guy going through a slump anymore. This is a guy going through a career decline. And so, uh, and you can sense the, fr- I mean, the frustration is very palpable for him as well. Yeah. Um, there's no question about that. Um, so he, he looks the part of a guy that's just really struggling. Yeah. I mean, the last three years, there's no doubt that he has just continued to decline um, last year, it, there was some reason to believe that it might be coming back uh, for a stretch there, but you're right. I mean, the biggest thing that's, that you that anyone can see when watching him in the box is he can't catch up to a good fastball. I mean, he's, re- he's choking up three inches. He's taking check swings at these things. Like, he is – if you throw him a good 95-mile-an-hour fastball, chances are you're putting it right past him, even if it's in, in a bad spot for, from a pitcher's perspective. So – I'm with you. I, I hate to say it, and it's not that Joey Votto can't still get you a clutch hit or win you a game occasionally. I mean, it's not like uh, he has no ability at all anymore, but he is clearly not a guy that is ever going to be able to to lead a team or be towards the top of your hitting rotation again. And and to be quite honest, I don't know if he has another season or two left in him. This this might really kind of be it for Joey Votto and I and I it goes back to me begging him just retire I mean do an honorable thing and retire don't just keep playing for the money retire I mean honestly I'm serious about that do something honorable and retire if, if you can't do it anymore it, it sucks and I'm sorry for that and it's been a great career um, and I know you're leaving probably you know 50 million dollars on the table 75 on the table if you do but I'm sorry do the honorable thing and retire don't just hang on no I don't think he's going to do that and I think I mean could Joey Votto be a serviceable guy at the end of at the end of your lineup, or maybe a guy off the bench? It's possible. I, I don't, but there's there's no future for the Reds in him. I think they really need to start looking to to find someone else to plug that spot right now, and 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 maybe just give him some time off in general to to get out of his own head a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that, that he's he is complete. It almost looks like he's up there begging for a walk anymore. Because yeah, exactly. He's arguing with every call that's that's on the the edge of the, the zone, and that didn't used to be him. I mean, he had a very good sense of the zone, but you didn't see him arguing often with with umpires. And now it seems like it's a nightly occurrence. So yeah, yeah. All right, Skinny. It's time for our favorite segment of the podcast. Ask Skinny anything. 
uh, where people submit their questions, whether it be on Twitter or the message boards that I run or email. I love this. I love this segment, as you know. It's great. Um, and this one sticks with the, the Reds topic a little bit. We didn't have this on our list because it kind of happened a while ago and everyone's already gotten their takes in. But someone asked, so should Tom Brenneman get his job back as Reds play-by-play broadcaster? Obviously, everyone knows what happened and, and what was said and, and why he's been, I guess, indefinitely suspended at this point is the right way to phrase it. Yeah. I think it is the right way. Yeah. I think it is the right way to phrase it. Um, Yeah. What do you think? um, I've made it well known. I I don't think much of him as a broadcaster. Um, uh, He's just too much over the top for me, especially with Reds games. I think he's actually fine on national stuff, but you knew pretty quickly he was going to lose that national gig. I mean, that was a given. So now it comes down to the Reds and just to be clear, um, this is not a Fox sports Ohio decision, which owns our, which our company Sinclair that owns channel 12, owns Fox Sports Ohio now and all the Fox Sports regionals. So for full disclosure, just to let you know that, he is a Reds employee. So this becomes a Reds decision to make. So let's start at that point. I, I will say this again, is not a fan of his. I also think that, that this one act maybe shouldn't cost him his job. I think the tough sell here is, though, Rick, you had some sponsors um, that quickly tried to distance themselves from Tom and, and what he said. And so if he's put back on the broadcast, how can he then read a liner for Kroger or UDF or somebody else? Or how can they then come back as a sponsor? So then it becomes a business decision for the Reds as well that, listen, if they do bring him back, maybe the sponsors don't come back. Um, And so I think that part's going to probably be what costs him his job. I think for the act itself, I think I could bring him back and I think I'd be okay with it. I think he's, he'd have to do a, a, a lot of things. I don't know what those things would be to make up for it, but um, I, I just don't know if one thing should, should completely cost you your living and cost you your job. Um, but I, I go back to, I think it's going to be very difficult from a business perspective for the Reds to bring him back when sponsors have already distanced themselves from him. Yeah, I think sometimes it just comes down to the simple business aspect of things. And it's not a it's not political stances. It's not a PR or anything else. It is literally just here's what the people who pay us our money say. And so we're going to go with that. And uh, that might be the, the end result here. One thing I will say about the Tom Brenneman situation that's been driving me nuts about it is I think cancel culture is a real thing in our country. Like it's no doubt. a buzz term now and people get fired up on both sides. You know, one side says it's, it's nonstop. Everybody's getting canceled. The other side is it's not even real. There's no such thing as cancel culture. I don't think that's true. I definitely think there's a mindset in this country of like every time anyone does anything you disagree with, you should go to their work. You should go to their bosses, try to get them fired. And whether they actually get fired or they end up on the Republican national convention the next night is not neither here nor there. I don't think that's the point of whether they actually lost their livelihood. It's just more so the mindset of as soon as someone does something you disagree with, you got to take away everything from them, cancel their livelihood. And you know, there's, there's no one's allowed to do anything anymore that, that you don't like. I think that is a problem in our country. However, what Tom Brenneman did has nothing to do with that. You and I both know the first thing you were told when you, whatever your first schooling was that involved radio or television or anything that was going to be on air, what is the first thing you were told? Every mic any is mi- Any mic is a hot mic. Exactly. It's the first thing you were told. I can remember it in Wes Aker's class at NKU 101 <laughs> EMB, like, or Radio TV 101, whatever it was. It's My man, first, Wes Akers. Good shout out there. I like the Wes. It's the first thing he said in class. Like, I remember vividly, any mic is a hot mic. Tom Brenneman 
being, you add everything up, a major league broadcaster, but specifically the, the national DS with Fox, where he is doing NFL games, like big NFL games. He's doing college basketball games. He has one of the 10 to 15 most coveted jobs in all of sports broadcasting. Oh, yeah. Right? So yeah. this is not a matter of someone being canceled. This is a matter of when you have that job, and let's be frank, it's not that hard of a job to do. There's a lot of people that are pretty darn good at this that really, really, really want to do his job or work really, really hard at it and would kill to make that type of money while doing so. So you're in a job where you kind of have to be perfect. That's the only reason you're on air is because you're the type of guy that's not going to say stupid stuff that gets the media company in trouble, whoever you're working for. So you kind of have to be perfect in that scenario. That's, That's not cancel culture. Anyone, since this has been a thing, would be in trouble for doing something like that on air. It's, it's just how the business works. This isn't people coming for him because it's political or they're too PC or anything. This is because in that job, one of the most coveted jobs in all of media, you have to be pretty damn perfect. And when you do something that egregious, that you're going to at least be questioned for it. I'm not saying he should lose his job forever. Maybe the Reds can bring him back. I'm not the one to make that decision. I'm just saying it makes total sense if he did lose his job because that's how this business works. The other part, too, is I don't think he's beloved by a, by a vast majority of the audience because I think he does grate on a lot of people's nerves. So, so my other question to this would be, if, if they did take him off and, and permanently fire him, do you think that's going to keep people from watching the games on TV? No, not at all. Right, right. And that, so does that, that then be, makes it an easy question to answer, right? I would think so, yeah. I, 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 I would agree with that. But again, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I'm not rooting for anyone to lose their job, and I don't and, think it's and, my and business I'm not either. to say yeah. they deserve to. Right, but yeah, I agree. At the same time, it makes total sense to me if it happens. And I don't think it's uh, anyone being too politically correct or anyone, uh, you know, being over the top with cancel culture. I think it is exactly how this business works and it makes total sense to me. So, yeah. And like I said, I think, I think when sponsors are involved and money is involved, that usually drives the bus and drives the decision-making process. Sure. Skinny has the NBA bubble made for better basketball, worse basketball, or the same in your opinion? I think it's kind of made for better because I, I, I think the, the fact of, especially in the playoffs, there's technically no home court advantage. And, and look, in, in the first round, for the most part, you had, you know, you, you've had the, the, the ones dominate the, the eights other than that surprising Orlando win in game one, right? Yep. Um, so so I, I think the great part is that, that, that like that Rockets OKC series has been so good. Um, and part of it is they're not going back and forth between home courts. So I, I think it. Hey, I think it, I think it's made for better basketball. I do. I, I think it's. I think it's been a lot of fun to watch. And maybe it's just because we're at that point where the Reds quickly dwayne my interest. Uh, the NFL had no preseason games. We don't know where college football was going. And really, they basically started in the playoffs, and that made it way more interesting and more fun. And, and you know me, I'm not a huge NBA watcher at all regular season, if at all. Hey, I don't have time for it. But B, it just doesn't have my attention. I'd rather watch college basketball um, if I have time during that part of the season. But playoffs, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm riveted by anything. I'm, I'm riveted by, I've told you, I'm riveted, I love playoff hockey. I, I've, I've watched a lot of that. So, yeah, I, I think it's made for better basketball just because you don't have a home court advantage involved. And sometimes that home court advantage is significant for teams. Yeah, I think, I think it's significant because, one, it creates some of those blowouts where, you know, you kind of get, get it rolling and it's just over. And teams are – it's such a big deal in the NBA, especially in the playoffs when you've got those rocking atmospheres. Home court advantage is a big deal, I think. And so I get why some people don't like that, that you don't have that atmosphere and everything and you don't have those storylines of, oh, yeah, they're, they're down 
2-1 or whatever, but they're going back home. But in my opinion, it kind of makes it better because now if you have a, a favorite on the ropes, you get ahead of them 1-0 or 2-1 or whatever, you know, they don't get to go home and, and, and right, regroup right. And, and get back on the right track. Like, they're still on the ropes, and they got to fight their way out of that corner on their own. Or, or vice versa, the old, hey, we stole one of two on the road. Now we're going back home. We got a shot here. Yeah. yeah it's well, the, uh, I, I, like I said, I think it's some of those toss-up matchups. I think it's been really good. I mean, honestly, I know the Heat were certainly better than the Pacers, and, and they obviously were proved it by sweeping them. But that never felt like a complete domination. Those were some really good games that the Heat were just better and executed it better at the right times. And um, yeah, it ended 4-0, but it didn't feel 4-0. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, like you said, the fact that they started in the playoffs was big. Uh, the fact that it's just been like almost an NCAA tournament vibe with the game starting yeah. at 1 p.m. Yeah. and going through the right. whole night. You just bet them all day if, if you're, you're a gambler like us. And it's been a lot of fun to do that. And the other thing you have, which I think has really been the biggest reason that it's been fun is – the, the young stars in the NBA have just been fantastic. I mean, yes. John ja, ja Morant and Zion Williamson aren't even involved. Those are arguably the two biggest rookie names. But you have all these guys that are just young stars, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Jamal but, Murray. But, and, dude, even, even a Damian Lillard who, let's face it, I mean, there's a lot of people that, that don't even know who he was or is because he played in Portland and they're rarely on the radar and they're playing on the West Coast. And now you got to see him in your time frame. You're like – Damn, that cat can really play. I'm one Luka of them. Doncic has been unbelievable. Yes, I, I, I've always loved Damian Lillard. Hell, I think I've had him on my fantasy team two or three times in the last five years. But I never realized the dude was that. I, I never knew that, that that was the Damian Lillard that, that could come out that played like that. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, some of that stuff's been really eye-opening. Some of the shooting displays we've seen. You know, Incredible. You mentioned the, the Lillard performance, but he hit one basically from half court. But some of these guys that are hitting seven, eight threes, and it, we're just getting used to it in the same game. It's, it's been crazy to watch. So I think that's been a big reason it's been so much fun. But, yeah, I think uh, the bubble, I would say it's made for better basketball. It's certainly not worse. Yeah, I agree. Certainly not worse. All right. What kind of personality would you like to see the Reds manager have? Um... That's it. That's a good. Well, I'll tell you what. I'd like to see the Reds manager have any personality because this guy has none. <laughs> that's a he great is, way to put it. Just, he, just he is. He is a mope. Uh, you know, I, I believe in the process, and we're, you know, our, I know the process hasn't produced results, but we believe in the process, and we think the process is going to prove, prove, prove right, and, and it's going to work for us. I believe in these guys. I think these guys are going to hit. I, I believe in our, our our bullpen. I think our bullpen's got some good, good arms down there. So yeah, I, th I think we're going to be okay. I'd like any personality. You know, I, honestly, I, I think Dusty Baker is a great manager in many ways. Um, you can argue some of the moves and some of the lineup construction at times, and he's some old school with his lineup construction of batting Billy Hamilton lead off and those kind of things. But he just – he always had the vibe of, of, A, that he had the players back, but you also knew if a player crossed him that he probably was going to have hell to pay in private, right? He, that he had full control of the situation. Um, and, and, you know, Sparky Anderson the same way. There's just – you can just feel when certain people have it. David Bell has none of it. David Bell looks like just a guy that if he wasn't wearing a baseball uniform, would be wearing a corporate suit, looking at numbers, and be in his office for nine hours a day crunching numbers and walk out and have two martinis and go home. I mean, it just – he just has no personality. And and that, that that's fine if if the moves you're making are working and the decisions you're making are working, but they're not. And so, yes, to answer the question, give me a manager with any personality. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly right. I, I feel like it's so antiquated and one of those sort of cliche sports things that I'm always against to be like, oh, you, you need more energy from your manager. He's not giving you enough. All that stuff's BS to me. Like, just, just coach your guys, teach them how to do the right things and, and manage the personalities. You'll be fine. 
But when you're watching a team like the Reds, and then you hear David Bell speak, and you see some of the decisions he's making, you can't help but think that listless personality and the way he's going about these things and probably the way he justifies his decisions in the game to these players is probably rubbing off on them. They look like they're just pretty much done with, with the season. They look like they don't care. And, and that yeah, may I, I, be unfair to say, but it, it, sometimes perception is reality. Yeah, I had a friend of mine that said, man, this team looks like they don't have a sense of urgency. And usually I scoff at that kind of stuff of what does that even mean? But I, I, I watched the game the night he said that. I'm like, they really do. They look like it's just I'm going to take my three hacks and maybe I hit one. And if I don't, okay, I'll, I'll, I'm okay with that. It just, it just feels like, like that's the case. And, and yeah, you're right. I, I, was, I can't remember it was a, one of the many baseball books I've read over the years. It was like kind of a season with or something like that or a, bio, somebody's autobiography or biography, whatever. And it was the whole running joke of there of every time, you know, a team has a guy who's considered a player's manager and fails, then they have to bring in the tough guy. And yep. yet when the tough guy then fails, guess what you need? You need to have a player's manager. So there's never the, the right mix of that, right? It always feels like it, it's that. And I'm with you. I think all that's BS too. But like, look, again, he can be the most mopey, listless personality of all time if he's making the right moves and right decisions and they're winning games and they're not. Yeah, or maybe just have your players give us a reasonable attempt in an at-bat. You know, like they yes. go up there, they swing at three crappy pitches and they just stroll back to the dugout. It's mm. like, that's the stuff where it starts being like, okay, these guys, it, it may be unfair to say they don't care or they're not locked in, but that's the appearance right now. And like I said, perception is reality in that case sometimes. So whether that's David Bell's fault or not, it, someone has to pay the price and you're not going to fire the whole team, unfortunately. So, that's correct. That's correct. All right. Uh, do you see a possibility of a winter football season like the Big Ten has discussed? I don't. I mean, I I know they're they're talking about now doing it in domes, um, and I hope they do. I think it'd be cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it sounds I, like a cool concept, right? But but I think we talked about this last week or the week before when the Big Ten made its decision to shut down and talked about going to the spring. If this is about player safety, are we really going to play two seasons in one calendar year? Yeah, and and the reality is that that seems ridiculous to say, but I think what this is more about right now for the Big Ten is just changing the narrative and getting everyone off their back because they were looking real stupid all of a sudden when all of these rapid testing protocols got approved by the FDA and the SEC and the ACC are, are looking more probable to have their season. I think the Big Ten just needed to do something they had uh, – parents of their players protesting outside right. an empty league office which is still just fantastic i don't no, know it, what it, the hell it, these parents are doing but well I, I think they're trying to at least do they're, they're trying to i think they were trying to have some media obviously cover it to get some support and all that stuff right i, I have a fucking clue like I, I i still go back to this there's no doubt in my mind the longer this goes that this still was about the players demands than it was about health because again oh 100 if you'd have kicked the can to today and still had not made a decision, that you're like, or made the decision of we're still at least moving forward with our season. And look, yeah, we've talked about this before. We could get to September 19th and the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 all look and go, this is just not going in the right direction. We can't do this. But that's still, at this point, another month off. And, and I, I think the Big Ten looks foolish, at least today. They may not look foolish on September 26th, but today they sure do. And it still looks more and more like those two leagues punted in unison because of the players' demands, and then looked around and hoped, boy, I hope they'll go with you. By the way, and, and people, you have to look this up on your own, there is a great video going around. It's, it's, 
and maybe you saw it, Rick, and, and, and it's going to be hard for me to do this on an audio medium, so people are probably going to have to Google it, but just a, a quick Cliff Notes version. It's a guy wearing an SEC shirt, and he's talking to a fairly attractive woman, maybe his girlfriend, maybe not, but it's some yeah, attractive woman. It's called woman. SEC Shorts is the YouTube channel that does it. It's, okay, so you know what I'm talking about yes. then. And it's just so well done, and basically she's the Big Ten. She walks away. Then the camera pans to hot girl standing over there with a the football with the ACC shirt, and she says, you mind if I come? And he argues no, and then finally says, we, she says, we need each other. And he's like, okay. And before they drive off, there's a guy in a, in a Big 12 shirt standing in front of them begging to come in. And I, I love the answer. He says, says, mind if I come along? And I think the response is something like, sure, so you can have your annual, annual semifinal ass whip and hop in. And, and then at the very end, here comes a little guy. Hey, guys, it's your friend American here. AAC guy. <laughs> AAC guy. I've got my 2017 championship trophy. And, and finally, as he's rolling up the window to, to tell him he can't come along, he goes, sure would like to be on those Power 5 conference calls. It's just, it, it is really well done. It's I, really I, well you obviously done. have seen it. They've done other videos too. Uh, it's SEC Shorts is the name of the channel. And the video you're referencing is called Dramatic 2020 Season Road Trip Has a Hard Time Getting Started. So yeah, it's, it's great. It is worth checking out. And they've got other videos that are pretty funny too, um, all related to the ridiculousness of college football. So correct, correct. definitely check that out. That is a good recommendation. Um, okay, we have the MJ flu game, the Luca ankle game now. But was there ever a Richard Skinner flu game or something comparable? Uh, fifth grade. Yep, absolutely. Fifth grade. Um, I, I can remember vividly uh, playing the first half. I, 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 and I can remember this. I ate a tuna sandwich probably 30 minutes before our game. And at halftime, I'm sitting there going, I, I started getting chills. I started feeling awful. Ended up vomiting up that, that tuna sandwich. And by God, if I didn't go out and play the best second half of my life, I made a jumper and a scoop shot and had four of our big 12 points in the second half as Columbus Elementary in Tulsa, Oklahoma beat the other Columbus Elementary team. It was a big rival game for first place, and I sucked it up and scored four points, puking up a tuna sandwich in the second half. They're still talking about that performance. Uh, there's no question. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I have something that I could, could compare to that, but the guy also added, P.S., the listeners – Yes, I'm speaking on behalf of all of us, are clamoring for a skinny driving rant story. So, uh, Skinny, do you have any driving stories that have come up recently? Or? I, I, I surely do. I was, oh, driving, I was driving from, uh, from our favorite casino uh, to, um, after making a couple of wagers one morning to Bengals practice. And here came my guy right up on my butt. I'm going 55 and a 45. And he tailgates me for a good half a mile. To was where this I, Fred? It, no, this was Jake. He looked like a Jake. Uh, oh, wow. So I almost jammed the brakes on. I kind of tapped him a couple of times. He sped around me. Then, of course, he gets in front of me and slows down. And then I'm like, that's fine. We're, now we're going the speed limit. I was actually going above it. And then, of course, like a tough guy, because he was in a, a, a souped-up pickup truck, he gunned it and took off. And I thought, wow, what a morning you've had, guy. Well, you showed me. Have a good day, jackass. That's excellent. I mean, that's what the people come for right there. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. All right. Uh, our guy, uh, Barstool Rees, who uh, sometimes comes on our college basketball practice, he says he needs Skinny's top five DMX tracks, which shout out to Barstool Rees. He started a new uh, betting podcast. That, that oh, did created, he really? Yeah, it's cre Ooh. created quite the controversy at Barstool as there was already a, a betting podcast or a betting show on air. They've, they're dropping yeah, like 15 I minutes beforehand. It's, it's, a, it's a big saga, but he's done a good job with it. So, uh, I was going to say, I'm going to guess he, just, he puts out some pretty good information. Yeah, he's got some good NBA, NBA picks in there. He's not on every day, but he's on there a lot. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I can personally name five DMX songs. Do you have a I favorite? Can't. 
One yeah, oh yeah, there's no, there's no question. I, I don't think this is the correct title. It's, it's I think it's party up, but it's the party song, up is up, the song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, up in here, up in here. That that's for sure. Uh, Rough Riders is pretty good too. Yeah, Rough uh, Riders anthem. Sure, yeah, I, but yeah. I'm not sure I can do five. Uh, X Gun Give It To You is is in there maybe. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good call. That's a good yeah. call. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I could do five. Yeah, I'm not sure I can name a whole lot of others, but yeah, those, but those for go. sure. That's, yeah, I mean, I mean, who who doesn't love party up, man? Every, there's, there's, Everybody that's like, loves party. That's, 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 you, you could still up play that. Honestly, you could still play that in a in a in a bar or a club or at a game, and and even though it's what my gosh, that's probably late '90s, right? Maybe early 2000s. Yes. Uh, 20, 20 plus years, you could still go. That song's cool. You can't do that with a lot of songs, right? That is correct. Uh, so, Party Up yeah. came out in 1999. Okay, there we go. All right. So you're call. shocked that you're shocked I knew that, aren't you? No, 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 no. I trust me. I am never shocked by your knowledge of hip hop or uh, or anything along those lines. You never cease to amaze me, Skinny. How important is it to know a lot of sports trivia? Is there a moment you felt like a king for dropping an obscure piece of sports knowledge? I'm I'm going to go on record as saying zero. I think trivia guys are losers but the biggest yeah. misconception is that people who do what we do are trivia guys like I'm people always trivia. come up and want to ask me questions like that and i'm like i don't care man i don't i don't do that stuff here here's the funny one. i am a big trivia guy rick i just I don't, I don't i don't flaunt it but here's the funny part to that i'm a big trivia guy with a lot of things that happened before like 1995 like if somebody asked me who won the 2005 nl mvp i probably couldn't tell you that I can tell you that Mike Marshall won the Cy Young in 1974, though. So that's that's weird to me, right? You would think uh, I have very weird. Yeah, I, I. It feels like I guess all the years of the last 20, 25 for me, and maybe it's just because I'm working and and I don't look at the way I used to as a kid. I think that's mem- a big part of it. Where you'd memorize that stuff. All the years tend to run together. Um, I mean, was Albert Pujols the MVP then, or was it Barry Bonds? I mean, honestly, I, I don't know. And so I, I tell you I'm big sports trivia guy, but it probably is more pre-1995, pre-1990 sports trivia than it is today. I couldn't tell you the final four from 2007, but I can certainly tell you the final four in 1980 of Iowa, Louisville, UCLA, and Purdue. I, I mean, rattle it off the top of my head. Did you say the 2005 NL MVP? Yeah. That was Albert Pujols. You are correct. Okay, that was a – trust me, that was a complete guess. A, lo- a safe guess, as you can imagine, but a, but a complete guess. So, yeah, I am sports trivia guy, but, um, A, I don't flaunt it. I don't need to drop some silly knowledge all the time, and, B, it's, it's more – uh, it, it's more past times than recent times. Also, the uh, 2007 Final Four for those scoring at home saw Florida beat UCLA 76-66 oh, yeah. and the, Ohio State a, that, beat Georgetown 67-60. And that was Florida the sec- beat Ohio State. Yeah, that was the second year of the of – the, I think that was the second year of the repeat, wasn't it, for Florida? Yeah. That was the back-to-backs. Mm-hmm. And that was the uh, – now that you see – see, I'm good with stuff when you start mentioning. I think that was the Georgetown with, uh, with Roy Hibbert. Yeah, that's correct. Who they make fun of on the Dan Levitard show. <laughs> yeah, have, have you heard the song? I the garbage, have. I have. I'm a, what is? I'm a human garbage. I'm like I'm a garbage can. <laughs> I I rebound and I fall down. I rebound and I fall down. I'm like, man, that's just mean. That's just mean. Yeah, uh, the Roy Hibbert trash can song, I believe. Trash can, trash can. That. That's it. Yeah. Trash can. Yeah, not yeah. Trash can. There you go. <laughs> All right, um, skinny. Where do you draw the line between sport versus activity? I.e., darts, cornhole, dance. This, uh, this is our guy, Dave. He says, I say it all can be, by the way. Yeah, and that's a good question. I've had arguments. There's a good friend of mine, Bill Cook, that covered UC for a long time, was a longtime columnist at the Cincinnati Post, is a good friend of mine. But we would have this argument because he hates golf, and he knows I love golf, and he doesn't consider golf a sport. He draws the line, and this is an interesting thing to me. 
he draws the line of if you can't play defense, it's not a sport. Oh, that's an interesting one. That's an interesting. I've never one, right? heard it. I've never heard it put that way. I don't. I, know. I need to chew on that a little bit more. I don't know if that's true. Uh, but I kind of feel like I agree with that because mine <laughs> is always more like it's a more obscure. I'm more like if it doesn't re- involve athleticism to me, which I know you can say, well, golf technically would require athleticism. Um, I, I would give golf a sport. I would call it a sport, but it's like on the fringe. Like I, I think cheerleading is a sport because the athleticism required athletic- to do backflips right. and all that is, is very much a sport to me. But like when you start saying bowling is a sport or cornhole is a sport or um, darts. darts is a sport. What about, what about archery? No, no, <laughs> that's a, that's a hobby. A skill. S- swimming track and field. Swimming definitely is a sport. Uh, okay. Track and field track definitely and field. a sport. Yeah. Okay, all right. Athleticism. But, you don't play de- but the thing is, you don't play, you don't defense, play defense in those. Yeah, right. okay. So, yeah, I would disagree with Bill then on the defense thing because I think those are sports. But that's a great line of demarcation. At least he had one. I, it's that, like, that's a great that line, of, yeah. Yeah, it always stopped me in my tracks. And I'm thinking, that's a, you've actually thought about this, and okay, that's a fair comeback to me. He's almost kind of right, but yep. uh, I, would, I would draw – yeah, I would, I would say track and field and swimming, those are exceptions because they're definitely sports to me. But I, but I could also argue if it's something that I can still do in my 50s, 60s, and 70s, like darts and bowling and pool and golf – does that really Is require really athleticism? Sport? Yeah, yeah and, and, I know. I and, know. And as people know in this podcast, and I've told you, I'm a golf geek. I love the game, but I could also argue it's more activity than sport. Yeah. Oh, that's. I think that's right. Activity is is a good word for it. I mean, like the the whole disc golf thing. I'm still. I'm going to be on tour in a couple of years. I'm still playing disc golf heavy. Not not a sport at all. Like that is 100% a, an activity, a, a hobby. Yes. 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 So I don't know. That's that's a good question. I, I definitely don't. The things he mentioned, darts, cornhole, dance, definitely not sports to me. Yeah. Dance requires some athleticism, though. Yeah, it's more coordination. I've been in dance recitals, ballet recitals, so I can speak pretty logically on this uh i say it's more coordination and strength really but yeah probably yeah probably and rhythm i mean rhythm helps a little bit right yeah, well we know i've got plenty of that so. i got zero i don't <laughs> know how my daughter my daughter is going to be a professional dancer and i don't know how she did it because i have none all zero. right skinny here's a good one for you which you getting okay. if you had to pierced nipples or a barbed wire arm tattoo <laughs> that's coming from our guy nick who sent us some good questions and eve i said that's strong work on that one he mentioned he has a whole notes app Filled, uh, filled with questions for us that he's just rattling off each week. So appreciate him helping the show go on here. Um, I, the, the, the arm tattoo by far. There's nobody that's going to put that stuff on my nipples. No, no, thank you. Ouch. <laughs> no, nope, not going to happen. You and Bobby Brandon just walk around with some tribal tattoos is a good look. <laughs> yeah, I think Bobby Brandon, though, might have his nipples pierced too. So Yeah, you're probably <laughs> right about that. Yeah, I, I don't think I can do either one of those. You don't, you're not a tattoo guy at all. You don't have any tattoos. No, no, but, but, but you said I had to do it. It was yeah. either or. It wasn't like neither nor. It was either right. or. Well, I knew you didn't have any piercings. I just figured, I don't yeah, know, maybe, maybe it's possible you got a tattoo when you were young or something. No, nope, no. Nope. Yeah, that's just, it's just not me. Yeah, no. me neither. I did pierce my ears before uh, prom did one year. Really? And then, did you really? Uh, yeah, I, had, I, t- I did big diamonds in both, fake diamonds. In both? Big diamonds in both ears for a prom one year with an all-white suit, if you can imagine that. So I was uh, uh, big pimping, wow. as the urban philosopher Jay-Z would say. Do you know, do you know what I need? What's that? A picture? I need a, I need a picture. I can get you a picture of that. Okay, I, I believe you. Uh, I'm not telling you. It I'm was, it was with the girl who's uh, Kenny Chesney CD I threw out the window. 
Wow, I'm really yeah, that's questioning. What I yeah. Here's the thing: I'm I'm questioning taste in music and but, men now. But but then I took out the uh, the the earrings maybe like two or three days later for baseball practice, and uh, it closed up within minutes, and I couldn't get them back in wow. after. So it was good. It was it was for the best. No one needed to see me walking around with earrings did, again. Did, tell me, you got them at least professionally pierced? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, it's to uh, a yeah. place at the mall, Claire's okay. or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. See, I don't. Yeah, I couldn't do that either. Mm. I mean, it doesn't hurt at all. It, it, that was not a big deal to get done. Um, but yeah, it was, it was not a look for me. I'm, I'm touching my earlobe as I speak because it feels painful just talking about it. Oh, I think I, I think I buried the lead, by the way, on the whole Kenny Chesney X story. She got married oh. this weekend, too. That's oh, the other okay. reason we couldn't have been together well, still. Con- congratulations then. To yeah, the shout couple. out to her. Yeah. So apparently now she has better taste in men and better taste in music. She doesn't with, like Kenny Chesney, and with, she, she's not with you any longer. Rumor has it no Chesney was played at the reception. That's a good, probably a safe, a safe bet. All right, we will end with this, Skinny. What are the most sexy and least sexy names? Um, Topanga. Martha's not very sexy. Martha is not sexy. That might be number one on the least sexy list. <laughs> Yeah, Martha's, Martha's not good. Not. Any any female name where it's like the uh, the the two first names like Mary Beth or uh... yeah, but see, but see, I've, I've got I've got my my daughters. I got one's Tara Lynn, one's Katie Scarlet. So and I trust me, they weren't named for to try to make it sexy. Um, but I, I like <laughs> I, I like I like their names. Um, yeah, that's fair, but I think that's more. First of all, do you do you call them both by their? Both names? I don't think I ever heard you do that. No, I, I usually call them by their by their first part of that. Yeah, the name. So that's yeah. different. It's like I'm talking about the ones where it's like hyphen, where you like have to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, my, yeah. My 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 youngest daughter. Um, well, both daughters actually have. It took my my wife's um my wife's maiden name as kind of their middle name. So whenever I'm mad, it is Tara Lynn Stephen Skinner. Get your ass up here. <laughs> so, and I say it pretty fast too. Yeah, I bet. Well, you say everything <laughs> pretty fast. Yeah, that's a good point too. Um, yeah, so Martha's on the least list. Oh, man, what would be one that 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 is an is a sexy name? Um, Sophie. I like Sophie. Sophie. That's no, I like. Not, your Sophie. sexy name is Sophie. So, I, Sophie I like go, so, Sophie D. Go look it up. I will. Um, uh, I like kind of the exotic name, like Topanga is a great one. I think Topanga is an all-time sexy name, mainly. Just Selena, how about Selena? There's, Selena is a great one. Yeah. Um, Rihanna is an. I mean, again, yeah. part of it's because of who we associate with it. Obviously. That's correct. I was going to say that's you start doing some name associ- some word association as but you're it, doing that, right? But it's still, but it's still a hot name. I mean, yeah, Rihanna yeah, is I, a hot yeah. name. Yes, correct. Sophie D. Uh, oh, she's an actress. Yes, she is. Yeah, she is. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know why Martha popped in. I'm sorry to any Marthas out there. Probably, you know, there's, I'm sure there's an attractive Martha somewhere, but just the name, it just, it comes from the 1930s. Sophie D is, is what they call full, uh, full figured, I would say. Mm, yeah, not, not, not as much as you think, though. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm looking at the wrong one then. Maybe no, you are. No, you're, you're looking, yeah, you're looking at the correct one. Okay. Um, she, she gets it done. Uh, Chrissy, how about Chrissy? I'm not big on Chrissy. I don't really, really like that name. Like Chrissy Teigen is hot. I, I'm not against her, but I, the name Chrissy for me doesn't really do it. How about Raven? Do you know any Ravens? Yeah, <laughs> big and see Raven's another like exotic name. I like. Yeah, she's she's on the main stage usually, but yes, Raven. Yeah. How well, about how about Alexa? How about Alexis? I like Alexis too. I think. Any name that could be a stripper name but doesn't have to be a stripper name is hot. Right. I so agree with that. Raven is perfect for that because it's like 
she might be a stripper, but you don't have to be a stripper if you're a raven. You could no, that's be correct. like a lawyer. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, there's, there's a few of them. There's, there's no question about it. That's a good, it's a good question. Great, yeah. great questions as always. Yeah, diamond, not a good one. That's You have to be a stripper that, if you're diamond. Well, yeah, or ruby, say, could, could, or that's, gemstone. I'm going to guess this diamond was probably not on your birth certificate. I'm just going to throw out a wild guess there. Uh, there's there are people named Diamond. There are people named Ruby. There are people named after gemstones, and those people are born to be professional dancers. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's just like it's you're you're it's really not, pigeonholing your kid when you name them after a gemstone. I would say it's an it's an honest living, Rick. Yeah, no, no question. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all we got. All right, it's great stuff as always. We thank you, uh, Rick. Thanks as always. We will be back next week. Hopefully, the Reds will uh, start winning some games, or maybe David Bell won't be the manager any longer. We'll see about that. Uh, we'll have some Bengals news as well. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly potpourri edition.